Everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Gluck, and today it's a How I Got Here edition of the podcast. This is a new series where I talk to people about how they made it to where they are right now in NASCAR. Obviously, people's careers are ongoing and evolving, but I want to know their background and what got them to that point. And Today is like the epitome of this series because I'm talking to Jay Pinnell of Richard Childress Racing. Now, I don't want to spoil uh, everything that Jay Pinnell did to get to where he's at today, but uh, I do have some history working with him. Um, We were pseudo co-workers, sort of at least working for the same company back when I was at NASCAR scene, and he was doing some sort of work for the Sports Business Journal. Then when I was at SB Nation, brought him on uh, to help me a little bit. We didn't have much money at the time, but um, I just needed some help, and I thought he'd be a good one. And then he asked me to write the foreword for his book that he wrote uh, three years ago called Start Your Engines, Famous First in the History of NASCAR. So I do know Jay. We are friends, full disclosure and all that. Um, so I just wanted to get that out there before we dive into the interview. But I really think he has a fascinating story. And honestly, when I was coming up with this series, I thought I really want to feature him at some point this year. So I'm glad he said yes. And the timing just worked out because he was in victory lane at the Daytona 500 through his work with Richard Childress Racing. So let's hear more about his story and how he got to where he is. All right, everybody. I'm here with Jay Pinnell. We're in uh, a little closet here at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Jay, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. So Jay, um, man, big week for you. Uh, Can you first of all tell us what you do with Richard Childress Racing, and then why you were um, in Victory Lane at the Daytona 500. So I am the manager of uh, content and communications for RCR. Uh, I primarily work with Daniel Hemrick in the Xfinity Series and the number one 21 team. Uh, we've got a great partners with South Point Hotel and Casino on the car this year, and uh, we've got a great group over there. So uh, I also handle a lot of our website stuff, um, help with our social media and just kind of anything that really needs to be done. So uh, luckily I was able to stay over uh, on Sunday for the Daytona 500, Uh, worked on some content and some videos and things that we were putting out for our website and our social media outlets, um, and really was doing that until about 50 laps to go. Um, Then we kind of sat down, and we we don't typically put together plans or anything like that, but we kind of, a group of us talked about, hey, if this does happen, what are we going to do? And thank God we did that because... uh, Lo and behold, Austin Dillon won the, won the race, and, um, you know, there was that initial, oh, man, this is this is actually happening, but then it was, okay, we still have work to do. So uh, it was cool to go to Victory Lane. It was a, a lifetime experience and uh, something I never would have imagined would, would be a possibility, and it was really cool. So uh, you talked about, you know, a lifetime experience, and, um, you know, tell us about what, what what has your childhood been like? Was this always the path for you? Did you grow up as a race fan and say, you know what, I want to work in NASCAR someday? How did you even get started? Yeah, I mean, it was it was always something that was in my life for as long as I can remember. You know, I grew up in a town called Delanco, New Jersey, um, but my my mom's side of the family uh, raced at Mobile International from about the 1940s until the mid uh, 1990s, I think. So went down there as a kid. I mean, maybe three or four years old and. And went and saw a race at Five Flags Speedway in Pensacola and went to Mobile and watched my family work on the cars in the garage and stuff. 
you know, I would have loved to have been on the dri- in the driver's seat or working on the cars, but that that separation between New Jersey and, and Alabama is just a little bit too too big. So every weekend we we watched as much racing programs and racing as we could. I, I taped every race on VHS. I I had you know I wasn't really big into reading, which is kind of funny, but. Um, you know, we had the NASCAR scene, we had the NASCAR Illustrated, Stock Car Racer magazine, like all these all these magazines and, and newspapers and, and outlets that my parents got me to really get me interested in it. And I was definitely the kid that a lot of people made fun of for liking NASCAR in New Jersey. Um, and, you know, we went to I went to my first cup race in 1991 in, in Dover, saw Harry Gant win part of his Mr. September run, and just was I've been hooked ever since. I think I've gone to at least one race every year, I think except for maybe 1998. And... I'm just lucky to have had good people in my life that have supported me and encouraged me to keep doing what I'm doing and just a lot of drive and determination to to kind of make this now my my career. Okay, so let's talk about that career because there's <laughs> it's one thing to say, hey, I'm a huge race fan. I would love to work in NASCAR someday. It's my passion. And it's another to make that happen. And I feel like out of all the people that I've met maybe – um, in all of NASCAR, <laughs> you might be the one who really, really willed it to happen and made it happen without any sort of help whatsoever. So I want to sort of start um, and and tell me, you'll have to fill me in on what happened before this, but when you came on my radar, I was working at NASCAR Scene Magazine, and you were doing something um, else in the company for American City Business Journals. Right. And you would send us, like, race recaps to our email list at NASCAR Scene, wanting to try to be a NASCAR writer. And at the time, they I, I, nobody gave you a shot, really. I had no newspaper experience or anything like that. So, so you had no journalism background? No, not, not at all. So I had um, I went to Queens University of Charlotte. I got uh, two degrees in history and uh, American studies. So I studied German history and, and uh, American subcultures and countercultures and things like that. And really honed my writing skills and and learned how to think and ask questions and and just be very observant about things. And, you know, throughout, I kind of, I still love NASCAR. I still go to the races, but my interest had kind of waned a little bit. And then uh, when Rusty Wallace was retiring, he was my favorite driver, so I I really got back into it again. And when I got out of college, I, you know, I worked at Ben & Jerry's scooping ice cream, and I I had a bunch of other jobs, but I found a... um, an internship with the Sports Business Journal, working on the Resource Guide and Fact Book, and when I found out that I was on the same <laughs> the same floor as the NASCAR scene and Illustrated, it was one of the greatest things that I that had ever happened to me, um, because you know Steve Wade was down the hall, uh, you know Kenny Bruce was there, Bob Pockeris, yourself. I mean, there were a lot of people that I really followed and, and grew up reading uh, that were <laughs> on the same floor. And I just happen to have their email address now. So, you know, at the time, social media was such a new thing. Um, I had a MySpace page, personal MySpace page, but then I realized because I, I have a lot of friends who are in bands and things like that, that they could really, you, you could really utilize MySpace and social media to, to get your stories out there and tell other people who you are. So I decided to make a, another MySpace page dedicated solely to, to writing and to NASCAR. And so I would just take what I had grown up doing, which was watching racing and knowing everything I could about racing and, and trying to absorb it all, take these races and apply my the writing skills that I had learned in college and put it together into some sort of race recap. And then I would just email blast every single person <laughs> at the NASCAR scene and NASCAR Illustrated 
And it really worked because I was able to go to Steve Wade and get some critiques and, and get some advice on how to take an, a four-hour race and, and make it into, you know, a couple hundred words story. So uh, it was really one of the greatest experiences and, and just kind of luck of the draw deals. So I, I, it was it was really that, that first step I needed in, in this path down this career. But you, you say that it was such a great experience, and yet it was sort of a dead end as far as, like, that didn't lead to, I think people listening are probably thinking, oh, well, that then led to some job. Yeah. It didn't. And no, so didn't. you had to... You know, nobody nobody helped you there in terms of okay, well, we're going to give you a chance. So you had to make your own chance, and I believe what was next was writing for a couple of very small websites that you just said, okay, I'm just going to try and turn this into my own race coverage, and that wasn't paid, no. I don't think. And you just went yeah. from there. So while I was doing the MySpace blog, um, I went to the groundbreaking of the NASCAR Hall of Fame and was sitting there taking notes and. Uh, I think Robbie Gordon was sitting in front of me or something. This guy happened to be sitting behind me watching what I was doing. And I, after after everything w- went on, he, he came up and talked to me. His name was uh, Ray Everett. And told me, hey, man, there's your, there's your interview right there. So I went and talked to Robbie and did all that and then came back and talked to this guy. And he's like, hey, I'm starting this website. It's called HardcoreRaceFans.com. We haven't launched yet, but if you're interested, you know, I'd love to have you come on. So I did that and helped them design the website and, like, plan out how we were going to do coverage and initially we did a lot of stuff sort of like Jayski used to do where we take other people's articles and post them on there and give them credit and link back and then we started writing our own stuff and, and then we went fully to writing our own stuff and you know it was it was really before you had citizen journalists or you know we got denied credentials at Charlotte, Atlanta, Bristol, like all at Darlington. I mean we we were really trying hard to get into these uh, to these racetracks so we could have coverage and we were not a reputable source, so we were getting turned down. And so that made our, our jobs pretty tough, but we, we just kept at it and kept at it and kept at it. And, you know, eventually we we found a spot in the sport. NASCAR came out with the Citizen Journalist Media Corps or whatever, and they really kind of provided help that we had already been – we had gotten ourselves. Um, so it was kind of nice that we had already done all that legwork and really didn't get a whole lot from them. What would have been helpful is, like, sponsors and things like that, but – you know that that was it, it was what it was, but yeah, moved on from there to frontstretch.com and allleftturns.com, and I think at one point I'd raise my hand in the media center and have three different outlets that I, uh-huh. <laughs> I had to say. So I mean, yeah, no, there there were people that helped, but you know, I I think one outlet I won't say which one it was. I, I wrote almost every day. I edited at least twice a week, and I got a check for like seventy five bucks at the end of the year. Wow. Um, so. At this time, I've got a family, I've got a, a child that was born, I've got a house, so I'm working basically as a full-time writer, traveling to races what I can, and still have at least three or four other jobs on the side, so wow, it was a lot. So, um, so yeah, so you're doing all this, and you're still trying to make it happen for yourself, t- still trying to get, get yourself a big break, because nobody's handing you anything, you're right. hardly getting paid anything, um, so then... Um, for a while, you we worked together. I think maybe after that um, yeah. at SB Nation, but yet, um, you know, I was full time at SB Nation. They'd given me a small, tiny freelance, but I mean, I don't think you were getting hardly paid yeah. much, much more than you were. <laughs> Still had the full time jobs. <laughs> yeah. So I remember the days. You know, you were you're at Ben and Jerry's in Charlotte. You're mm-hmm. scooping um, ice cream for customers. And trying to write a story. You're like, I mean, I'd be talking to you, oh, can you write this story? And you're like, yeah, I just got a couple customers right now. And I think from what I could tell, you were literally, 
you know, had the laptop there yeah. trying to write between scooping ice cream. Is that right? Yeah, very much so. I, I don't tell the people at Ben and Jerry's this, but <laughs> I mean, I was the manager there, so I kind of, I, I worked at Ben and Jerry's for uh, about 10 years. Um, but I would, I would open my laptop and I'd keep TweetDeck up and I'd have my email going and I'd be writing stories. And there were actually times where I'd have to go sit in the back. I would, <laughs> this is what you don't really tell Ben and Jerry's. I would close the door, lock the door because <laughs> I, I had an interview to do. I had the phone interview. So I'd have to go and I'd, pull up the phone and I'd do my phone interview and record it and I'd go back and open the door and and I'd have to sit there and write it and you know I it was it was a cool experience you know it, I'm sure it would have been a lot easier to do it other ways but you know I loved what I did and and it it just shows that if you have a passion for something and you really want to do something you're going to find a way to work hard enough and make it happen um it, uh, the fun, <laughs> funny story about the Ben and Jerry's deal is uh at one point, I was I was managing the Ben and Jerry's in, in uh, Gastonia, North Carolina, so it's not very far from Belmont Abbey College. Well, Belmont Abbey Co- College has a motorsports program, and these kids would come in all the time and talk to me about racing because I guess they knew who I was through SB Nation and Twitter and all this other stuff. Well, I'd say about four or five of those kids are now PR reps. Wow! Uh, in the in the NASCAR series, so uh, one went to Victory Lane in the duels, and one went to Victory Lane. Um, for the Xfinity race, and uh, and you remember and was, them from when they were students coming into ice cream shop. So uh, Ian Moy, who now works with Ryan Blaney, he I knew he kind of looked familiar, and he he reminded me a couple years ago, and I was like, oh yeah, that's really cool, <laughs> yeah yeah. Wow. So there's a big group of them, so it's funny, yeah. Small you know, world. and a lot of people wonder how you can get into it and things like that, and and you know, continuing about your story and the sacrifices and the hard work you have to kind of make. Along the lines of, of you not getting paid, you're also not getting paid travel expense-wise. So yeah. how were you getting to these races and covering so many races? What did you have to do to get there? Go in debt. <laughs> no, I, I would drive my car uh, everywhere. Um, I called it the Hotel Kia. Um, so I would drive my car to the racetrack. You know, we're here at Atlanta. And you go out the you go out the tunnel, and there's a parking lot right across the street from the tunnel. And I've slept there four or five race weekend, four or five years covering race weekends. Um, slept in my car at Talladega. And one time I drove all the way from Charlotte to Homestead, slept in my car down there just for like a day or two. Um, you know, luckily places like Talladega, if you have a, a race ticket or a way into the track, you can camp for free. So a lot of camping, um, staying with friends, staying with other media folks who were, who were nice enough to let me stay there. And um, yeah, I mean, Luckily, I could write that stuff off on my taxes a little bit uh, in terms of mileage, but a lot of it was out of pocket, and you know, it, I'll, it'll uh, the money side it'll come eventually. So, yeah, it was that was this, that was probably the biggest actual sacrifice was, you know, I was I had these day jobs and that were lucky I was lucky enough to make my schedule or work with the people who I was working with to have the time off, but the real the real impact came of like paying for car repairs i think one time <laughs> i was leaving talladega and the alternator died and then it was just a it, i've had flat tires and it, it's it's a big expense but it's it's totally worth it if you want to make it to where you, you want to make it so how many years of covering racing was it where you were sleeping in your car before you started getting uh, your <laughs> travel paid for i guess uh, I think it was from 2007 until 2000, uh, till the ch- the chase started in 2011. So probably, I mean, at least 30 races total, probably yeah, more probably where more. you 
slept in your car the whole weekend. Oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. And you make a lot of friends out there <laughs> uh, in the parking lots and the campgrounds and, and things like that. And, you know, it, it really kind of connected me to the fans. It gives you a new perspective. And uh, it was always nice when somebody – you know, like Old Spice came to Talladega and gave away a bunch of like deodorant. You're like, this is great. You know, it's those little wow. things that you take advantage of. Um, but, you know, uh, every time, you know, now we fly out every weekend um, with Victory Air and we, we've got a, a wonderful travel agent, uh, uh, Miss Leslie at RCR. And uh, you definitely don't take those things for granted when you've slept in your car for, you know, years and years and years. So then what was your big break? Because how did you get from sleeping in the car and being totally on your own to where you were finally being uh, welcomed in as a professional, I guess? Well, I think uh, when everything ended with SB Nation, it ended so soon, so so soon to the start of the season that I was kind of out of options. And I really didn't know if I was going to continue. And I really kind of didn't want to go back to sleeping in my car and, and doing all this stuff because – it was a lot of work and a lot of time away from the family, um, not only traveling like we do all the time, but then also doing the regular jobs. Um, and so, But I still k- kept up with a couple websites. I think I actually started my own blog at that point and just tried to do that. Um, but luckily, my sister found this job someplace on like some job, job board, uh, and it was for GMR Marketing. And it was to do social media for uh, Speed the speed channel so i did i helped i luckily went in and interviewed and um had some good references and uh somehow landed the job and so started the first race of the chase in 2011 and like to the wolves you know and uh i remember i got to fly down and stay in a hotel and it was it was great <laughs> um so i did that for a couple of years and helped run the speed speed social media nascar on speed social media you know, we covered obviously NASCAR stuff, but we we covered Barrett Jackson and and uh, sports car stuff, and it was a really good experience because it got me into a corporate kind of atmosphere and saw to see what you know you have to go to an office and you have a desk and you've got coworkers and that was all kind of new to me. Um, you have a salary, <laughs> you know, you have insurance. Those are those are things that you know you you were struggling and you worried about, um, but now you had them and it was really nice. So then um, that becomes Fox Sports, and then you kind of just ended up on there. But then um, that ends, and it looks bad for you yet again because it's like, oh, no, like now is my path ended. Um, So then how did you go from there to where you are now? Well, I had – I will say that when the the speed stuff ended – I, I was lucky enough to go work on the uh, Miller Coors account with GMR. Oh, yeah. So I spent, honestly, it was maybe like a month or two on that account. And then uh, uh, one of the folks over at Fox called me and said, hey, we'd love to have you come on. Okay. Um, and that initially just started as somebody to help with social and upload stuff to the website. And then that morphed into writing. And then next thing you knew, I was writing with Tom Jensen as, as probably the number two NASCAR guy on that website. Um, that so had to be a pretty... Unbelievable time at, at that point in your life. It, it really was, you know, when when you your your name and your byline is is on the front page of FoxSports.com. It's it's a pretty cool deal. Um, you feel like, man, I've really kind of I've really kind of made it. And during that time, I was lucky enough through through uh, Ben White, who's somebody I grew up reading and really really admire, uh, landed somehow <laughs> landed a book deal. 
and was able to write a book. So that that was a really cool part of my life and a really cool time. Um, and the way that the media had changed at that point and the way that we were covering things, I I, I wanted to do something different. Um, I'd, I'd go out. I'd go out in the garage and spend a lot of my weekend working on a story, and I'd write it and pour my heart and soul into it, and I'd post it, and then nobody read it. And then we'd write something about social media, and it, it would just catch on fire. So uh, I was getting a little frustrated with that and wanted to do something different. I had something else lined up, so I left Fox. The other thing fell through, and then here I am again, you know, up a creek without a paddle trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And um, luckily through all the hard work that I've had through the years, hooked up with NASCAR.com, did some freelance stuff there, rewrote a lot of the content on the NASCAR Green website. And while I was doing that, I found out that RCR was looking. Um, so talked to folks like Jeff O'Keefe, who, who's now with Toyota, and Tracy Holtzapple, who works with Ryan Newman on our team, and just gave him my resume, sent in, to, sent in my resume to the folks up there. And at the same time, I was talking to IndyCar, about going doing doing their social media, and their first question was, "How soon can you move to Indy?" Which is a big which is a big move. Yeah. Um, so I had had about four or five interviews with IndyCar, and I didn't. I mean, I, that would have been a cool experience, but I really wanted to stay in Charlotte, wanted to stay in NASCAR. And I told RCR that I interviewed one day, and later that week they offered me the position. And next thing you know, I, here I was again. And this has been a whole crazy experience, and uh, it, it just goes to show that. Certain doors will open at times you don't think they're going to, but you got to work hard to, to kind of kick, kick them in every once in a while. So you've been at uh, RCR for a couple years now. Yeah. And ultimately, uh, you start this season in victory lane at the Daytona 500. I mean, you're at, you're there. You're taking pictures with Austin Dillon. I mean, you're there. Did you take any time while you were there to sort of reflect and say, wow, you know, not too many years ago I was sleeping in the parking lot here <laughs> in my car just trying to get a chance and this crazy journey later and here you are i mean in the daytona 500 in victory lane yeah it's 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 really incredible i mean you know for as many times i've been to that track and um it's i never thought that would be a possibility you know i can remember being as a kid i had this this vhs tape and i forget what it was called but it, it was like the highlights of daytona and it starts with this little kid running, running around with his little matchbox cars on the on the ground. Next thing you know, he's running late models. Next thing you know, he's in victory lane. And I, that's kind of what I thought about. I was like, man, this is like, this is cool. Because I remember I used to get so hyped about the Daytona 500 on race day when I was like eight years old, <laughs> you know. And here I am, you know, last Sunday and standing in victory lane. And, you know, think of folks who are no longer with us, like my grandmother, my aunt, my, you know, my mom's cousin, folks down in Alabama and, just like, man, this is this is really, really cool. And you also think about the folks who helped you get there, people like yourself, people like Ray Everett, um, Joe Donatelli, who helped me out with all left turns and hooked me up with Playboy to write an article about NASCAR. And um, it, it's just cool that all those people got you to where you are and, and helped helped you along that way. And I think I had one of those moments last year, too, with Hemrick when we were uh, going for the championship in Homestead, like, I, I I probably couldn't talk to anybody on the grid at Homestead because it was just like so emotional. Like, man, we might win a championship here. Um, so that was really cool. So people that are listening to this and they're thinking, man, I'd I'd love to do it, but it's just not in the cards for me. I just can't make it happen. Um, what do you tell those people? I mean, can can anybody who really wants to who is listening work in NASCAR and make it? In your opinion? 
I think so. I think if you think that you can't make it, you're not going to make it. Um, you have to just never take no for an answer. Um, you ha- one of the best pieces of advice, and it's funny we're, we're doing this in, sh- in Atlanta because this was actually the first racetrack I came to to work at with uh, hardcore race fans. And Curtis Key, who owned a truck team at the time, used to hook us up with truck passes, so I could only be here until Friday. Huh. Um, and I, <laughs> there's very limited. I used to have to sneak into media centers. Um, and one of the things that Ray ever told me then was just walk in like you own the place. And so it's kind of how I, I've carried myself through through this whole deal. Um, sometimes you got to kick doors in. Sometimes you got to be patient to let somebody else open it. Um, you've got to, you just have to work hard. I, I don't think that's just NASCAR. I think it, just in life, you have to work hard for anything that you want and never give up on your goals. And if you do that well enough and, and you're good enough to people, um, you'll make it happen. It might not be what you have envisioned it would be, um, but you, you just got to take whatever opportunity comes your way. Awesome. Well, from sleeping in your car and just doing whatever you can to victory lane at the 10 of 500, it's pretty pretty cool to have watched this uh, journey for you, Jay. So congratulations on all, all you've accomplished. That's that's quite a quite an amazing thing. Cool. Thank you very much. And you've been a huge help. You wrote the forward to my book. You, you brought me on when, when there were times uh, that nobody would. And uh, you've been a big supporter of me in this media center and with a lot of other folks in here. So I, I greatly appreciate it. Awesome. All right, everybody. So there you have it. And just uh, I, I really feel like an inspiring guy because it's not like he was trying and got one big break and then everything just worked out. No, I mean, it was a long journey of ups and downs for Jay to reach the point where he is today. So kudos to him for sticking with it and really showing that if you want to follow your dream that and you have goals, you know, just don't give up. Keep working for it. Don't take no for an answer. I think Jay really symbolizes that. So speaking of how I got here, of course, I wouldn't be here without the patrons of JeffGluck.com and the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast, people who sign up on Patreon.com slash Jeff underscore Gluck. Those people get me to the races like Atlanta Motor Speedway, where I did this interview, and Las Vegas Motor Speedway, where I'm heading shortly after I record this podcast. Some of the patrons I would like to thank this week include Joe DeBoard, Michael Gaffin, the Turn Left Tribe, that's at Turn Left Tribe on Twitter, and Ross Weiss, who is the video guy for the World of Outlaws, something I've tried to get a little bit more interested in this year since going to the Chili Bowl and seeing midget racing. Then I went to my first World of Outlaws race at Volusia, and I'm going to another one coming up soon. So thank you, Ross, for being a patron. Thank you also to everyone else for listening. Next podcast will be a post-race edition from Las Vegas Motor Speedway, so looking forward to see what happens there this weekend. And I'll talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.